And I have a title for my message for everybody in this room today. This is not just geared towards our LCU graduates, even though we celebrate you. And afterwards, we're going to get get to dismiss to the back and, and have a meal together. But today, the title of my message, if you would turn to Numbers 13, the title of my message is God Will Fill in the Blanks. God Will Fill in the Blanks. I talked a little bit, and this is kind of what precipitated my thought process as I got ready for this today was I talked to just a little bit a few minutes on Wednesday night about a grasshopper mentality that had found its way into the people of God that when God had a promise ahead of them they felt like that they could not do it and everybody has a question throughout their lives and I I taught the uh, the kids camp and we had a wonderful kids camp the last couple days I want to thank my wife Leah for so much work that she put into that and the excellence that it, it took I think she got one hour of sleep the other night so I'm going to take her on a little vacation this week just to make sure she doesn't quit the church or leave amen she needs it she deserves it amen But I was talking to the kids, and I was able to minister to them during the camp, and I love their questions. And their questions really revolve around questions that we have as believers, sometimes of of just simply this. Two of the most powerful questions you can ask the Lord is, God, who are you? And God, what do you want me to do? Paul asked those questions when he had the encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. He said, Lord, who are you? What do you want me to do? When we ask those questions, sometimes we have to fill in the blanks. Because what I found in walking with God is that God has a purpose. Everybody say purpose. I want to interrupt the regularly scheduled graduation and this service in this moment right now to tell you, you were born for such a time as this. That you have a purpose and God has a plan. Jeremiah 29, 11 applies to the nation of Israel. But I believe every promise in the word of God is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So I claim the promise that God has a hope and he has a future for everybody sitting here under the sound of my voice today. Now, if I were to define purpose to everybody for the purpose of my commencement address today, if I were to define define purpose, purpose is God's preference. Everybody say preference. Preference. Purpose is God's preference for what He wants to see in your life. Now, here's what I've learned in walking with God for a long, 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 long time is that just because God has a purpose for me out ahead of me doesn't mean that I'm necessarily going to reach my full potential and my full, what God has placed within me, maybe will be left a little bit short because everybody in this room at some point in your drive to this place right here passed a graveyard and there's more purpose and potential in the graveyard than what is sitting here today because people never applied themselves to fulfill what God had called them to do because our purpose is God's preference, but it requires our participation. Amen? Amen. So as we seek God and we first start by, by beginning of simply saying, God, who are you? There's nothing more wonderful than knowing who Jesus is. There's nothing more wonderful than having him in your life to help you, to guide you, to lead you. And here in the story we're getting ready to leave, to, to read is in, the, is in Numbers, but it's talking about how God had told Moses, Moses, send in some spies into the promised land, and I want you to spy it out so that they can come back and give Joshua, rather, come back and give a report, 
And they had wandered in the wilderness now for decades. They had been under the slavery of Egypt for over 400 years. And what happens during that period of time of generation after generation? Because remember something very important. They did not go into Egypt as slaves. They went into Egypt... Because Joseph was able to feed and he was able to take care of and the nation of Israel was protected and they were watched over during this time in Egypt. But what can sometimes begin as something that's a blessing, if we're not careful, can eventually turn into bondage. Because when God has a new season and a promised land for you, you need to find out what it is, how God's going to do it, and you need to begin to follow him into those promises. So look here in in Numbers 13, and we're going to start in verse 17 this morning. Are you ready for the word of God? Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. Now look down at verse 27, just a few verses down. Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we see the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites, Moses, dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Look at verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Everybody say, We are well able. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in theirs." Father, for these next few moments and minutes as I deliver the word, I pray that you would just settle into this place. Father, I bind every distraction. I bind every assignment or scheme or plan of the enemy, whether it be here or those listening online. Lord, we need the atmosphere of the Holy Ghost in this house right now so that your word can go forth and it can go into the hearts of these precious people here today and are viewing online. That, Lord, wherever they may be, that you would find them and you would minister to them by the life of your word today. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. What we see in these scriptures are many things that I'm going to pull out and minister to you today. But what I have found is that it's not enough for God to want something for us. We must want it for ourselves. And you see in this passage of scripture that what they were challenged with and what they were dealing with is something that's called the grasshopper mentality. And the grasshopper mentality, and I'm speaking to the students that are here and I'm speaking to this church, the grasshopper mentality is something that will keep you from the full purposes and promises of God. Because imagine for a minute the self-doubt that must have been instilled and just absolutely driven into the people of God. And let me paint you a little picture. 
this morning because the people of God were in slavery in Egypt for 400 years. That's a very long time. And they, again, had started out in freedom and being taken care of, but eventually they began to move into a place where uh, Pharaoh put the whip on the back and Pharaoh told them you have to work and make bricks. And so uh, a place of freedom turned into a place of slavery. And I can only imagine the self-doubt and the, 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 the self the the self-doubt and the, 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 what had gotten into the people of God was that they no longer believed God could do the impossible. Because sometimes when we're facing situations where it seems like God is silent, I came to tell you something this morning, that when you pray to God and you pray according to His will, God says He hears us. Amen? But in the, if you know the story, it's interesting because the people of Israel began to cry out to God. If you're in a place of bondage, the first place you start is you begin to cry out to God because God has the power to set you free. But we also see in the story, and this is for our students here for just a moment, what we also see in the story is they're crying out to God. And I don't know about you, but when I'm crying out to God and asking God for something, I want God to talk back to me. Is anybody with me this morning? I'd like to hear something back. But they didn't. It was silence. But can I tell you this morning that when you ask God, according, it says we have not because we ask not. And when we do ask sometimes, we ask amiss because we want to spend it or use it or have... In other words, we're praying selfish prayers. This was not a selfish prayer. God in heaven wanted His people to be free. God here today wants you to be free. And you've been asking God for freedom. And if you feel like all you've gotten is silence, I came to encourage you that God didn't answer them. God begins talking to somebody named Moses. Right? So he begins to speak to Moses. I don't know about you, but when I ask God something, I want him talking to me and fixing it for me and doing it for me. But my point is, when God seems silent, sometimes he's up to his greatest work. I found in my life, God, I'm crying out to you. God, I need your... And and listen to me. For God to do nothing is absolutely impossible when it comes to His children and His people. God is a God who moves. God is a God who works. God is a God who is putting all the pieces together. So when we have blank spaces, when we have spots where we need to fill in the blank of what we're asking God for, I came to encourage some people this morning that God is a God who is setting the scene for your answer this morning. Because God has a potential, God has a purpose, God has a plan, because God's purpose is God's preference for your life. But if you're not living up to God's purpose, it is not God's fault. Sometimes it's ours because we have so much Egypt just pressed into us and whipped into us. And I can only imagine what that would not only do to somebody physically, but I can begin to imagine what that begins to do to somebody's very soul. Because they look around them and all they see is is slavery and all they see is is a whip on their back. And the world that we go out into, we need to have compassion and we need to have love and we need to have understanding. Because the people you come in contact with and the people you as ministers will come in contact with, they're under the boot of the enemy. But Jesus said that in this life you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world, the Lord said. He's an overcomer, which means you're an overcomer. He's victorious, which means you're victorious by faith, in faith, in the Son of God. I love the fact that this is numbers, but we've just come out of Exodus because Exodus means exit. Everybody say exit. I love that thought 
Because it, it, it doesn't matter how things look. If God has an exit, because our God is a God of exits. Everybody say exit again. This is a very important part of my sermon today. Because it, when you understand that God's a God of exits, it means that there's no place that you'll find yourself in today where you are trapped. It doesn't matter if you come to a Red Sea, God can part it. It doesn't matter if the walls of Jericho look extra big, God can push them down and let you walk into victory and freedom today. I'm going to have you guys sit there every single service because I like it. I like the feedback. Come on. He's the God of Exodus. I wonder if there's somebody in here today that can look back and just see that God brought you out of something that seemed impossible. Do I have any people that God created an exit where it didn't seem like there's any exit? Oh, he's done that for me because I want you to know something very important about this man right here. God is a helper. He's a very present help in time of trouble, in time of need, in time of darkness. It says our God will shine a light and he'll make a way where there is no way. And the only reason that this man is standing before you today doing what I'm doing is God helped me. God ever helped you before? So what seemed like silence wasn't really silence. God was working on the situation. But I have found with God that God is going to show up on His timetable and not mine. Come on. <laughs> he certainly made God. He's an on-time God. Isn't He? He is. I do, he misses a lot of opportunities to show up early. He's the God of Exodus. 400 years. 400 years. And they stay there. Listen, they stay there until they ask God to come out. It tells me something very important. And guys, I'm talking to you on these these front rows right here for just a moment. God will let you live on whatever level you settle on. Are you hearing me this morning? I see that in this passage because it wasn't until they began crying. Listen, some of you have cried out to grandma and you've cried out to a boyfriend and you've cried out to a sister-in-law. You've cried out to this. Can I encourage you today? Begin crying out to God because it's God who's going to begin to work supernaturally in the situation. Listen, when God does something, he's up to something. And when God does nothing, he's up to something. Amen. And he's on time. So he comes and he starts having this conversation with Moses. And, and I can relate to this conversation because when he comes to Moses, he says, Moses, he meets him at the burning bush. You guys know the story. Meets him at the burning bush. It's burning with fire, but not consumed. He takes off his sandals because the place he's standing is holy ground. And specifically, he goes to Moses and he says this, Moses, I want you to go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. When God comes to you with a purpose, which is his preference, which a lot of people don't live up to, just being straight with you, he says, Lord, you've got the wrong dude. Lord, you've got the wrong dude. Is anybody say, God, you, you, it's the other burning bush. It's over there. Because, Lord, you don't understand something about me. I can't really speak eloquently. Have you ever given God your excuses when he comes to give you a purpose? But can I tell you, and listen to me, you guys are sitting here trying to fill in the blanks of what God has for you in your future. 
hopefully everybody in here is, filling, is, is searching God, seeking God to fill in some kind of blank of what God has in your future. And what we thought was what disqualified Moses was actually the very thing that God wanted to call him and use him for. Why? Because for Moses, in this situation, it was called an insurance policy. Because he says, God, I can't do this. He says, I know. <laughs> if you ever look at God and say, God, I can't do I know you can and, and the reason I'm calling you Moses is because I know you can't, you know you can't, because everything that will be done through you will be done for my glory and not for man's. So if you want to flow in the purposes of God this morning, all you have to do is just be willing to give God a good yes. It was God's insurance policy. Because then he begins to say, okay God, what's your name? He says, I am. What he was actually using was the Old Testament name of God, Jehovah. Everybody say Jehovah. Jehovah. Now, Jehovah was more of a prefix because it was the name of God, and it always preceded what God was going to do. So if, if you need peace, he's Jehovah Shalom. Amen? Amen? If you need healing, he's the God who heals. If you need these things from God, He's the God who does these things for you. Because He's saying, Moses, I'm going to put you in such a situation where you have no idea how to, what to do and how to do it or anything else. And He's simply asking Him a very simple question. What is already in your hand? Because whatever is in your hand isn't just going to release my people from Israel. But when you come up against something you can't cross like the Red Sea, come on. It, what is in your hand is enough. Because when we have God plus anything else, it's always enough. And the insurance policy that we see here, in my opinion, was the fact that Moses just said, look, I can't do this. So whenever you're trying to fill in the blanks in your life, it's good to understand that God doesn't necessarily need anything but your yes and your faith and your obedience in whatever season you're walking in because God may be working something out that you absolutely can't see. Because Moses would need him so greatly you know, the only qualification I have in my Christian life, my marriage, my family, my church, my job, anything else, is Jesus. Some of you need to get to the point where you understand when you've got Him, you've got everything you need. Because Jesus is the great I Am. If you need healing today, He'll be your healer. If you need finances today, God will provide your finances. But the insurance policy that I see here, because He's saying it's not about who you are, Moses, it's about who I am. Am. I'll give you the Jason Hanks version of that story right now. Moses says, God, I can't. And God says, I know. If you say this morning, man, I just can't. Some of you woke up and said, I don't even know if I can go another day. God wants to visit you this morning. God wants to place strength in you this morning. In essence, God says, I'm just going to give you Jehovah because you're going to need me so much that when you come to the blank space, Moses, when you come into the place where you don't know the answer, I want you to know that Jehovah, whatever you need, is your answer. So you know the story. They go through a series of miracles. Pharaoh reluctantly lets the people go. They cross the Red Sea. God does all these things, fire by night and a cloud by day. He feeds them. He brings them to water. He's leading them. He's guiding them. But God didn't lead them by way of the Philistines unless, and the word of God says this, He didn't lead them by way of the Philistines unless they encounter war and turn back. 
And the only, listen, the only reason that they found themselves at the Red Sea, think about the only reason they found themselves at a place that seemed impassable was because they were obedient. Now stop and think about that for a second. Wait, God. You didn't want me to go this way, and I knew you didn't, so I, I chose to follow you, and I chose to serve you, and I chose to, to, to be provided by you. Wait. They ended, it, it's like the disciples getting in the boat, and Jesus said, hey, get in the boat and go to the other side, and I'll catch up to you later. They didn't know he was going to come walking on the water. And right in the middle of, 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 the, of the lake, they, they experienced a great storm. It's like, wait, Jesus put us in the boat. Jesus said we're going to get to the other side. And why is this storm raging? Why am I facing a Red Sea? You come to these places because of obedience. And sometimes we are obedient. We come to these places because you did follow the leadership of God. So the, Moses is facing the Red Sea moment. And they look at Moses and they say, Moses... What are we going to do? And Moses says, stand still and see the salvation of your God. And I love this about the story because then he says, okay, everybody calm down. God's going to work this out. And then you see Moses turn around and say, God, what are we going to do? I'm following the cloud and I'm following the fire. You called me. You said in any moment. That, listen, and, and we miss this about the story. And this is the encouragement. First encouragement this morning for you is, is this. We think that he lifted up his hands and the Red Sea just parted and they all walked across. It says, over the course of the night, the Red Sea began... My point is, we want instant answers from God. We want instant uh, path before us. And sometimes we just got to wait and see the salvation of our God. And Moses is like, I know this thing can turn into a snake, but I didn't know it could part Red Seas. But it was what he had in his hand. It's what he had right in front of him. God says, okay, use your hand and your staff. I'm going to show you to get where you're going without adding anything else to you. In every season God has us in, God wants to teach us things about what he has placed within us that we didn't even know. You hear me this morning. God wants to teach you about what's in you and who's in you so that you can cross Red Seas and see victories for God. That's how we overcome the grasshopper mentality. Amen? Amen. That's how you overcome it. Number one today, you overcome it by understanding something very, very important. Very important. And let me find it in my notes right now in this minute because it's so important that I forgot it. (laughs) Number one today is this. That when you're faced with a situation that seems impassable and impossible... You have to stand and trust God in the midst of that situation. So part of getting the grasshopper mentality or part of filling in the blank that you're asking God for, part of that is just when you come up against something that seems impassable, you have to trust God. Amen? Because God's going to make a way. It's not just who God is for us. But I want to remind you from this story of who God is in us. Say, in us. See, there's a you inside of you that you haven't met yet. 
There's a you inside of you that you haven't met yet. And that you is a stronger you. That you is a more blessed you. That you is a you that's following Jesus more closely than what you are right now in this moment. That's a you that, that looks back and sees the, the red seas that he's made you cross through. Has caused you to see the things that he's brought you through. There's a you that you haven't met yet. You know, some of my greatest moments of self-discovery have happened in Red Sea moments. Where, listen, you, you guys have been there yourself where you have nothing but God. Where you have nothing but the trust in His Word. They had watched God deliver them from Pharaoh. They had watched Pharaoh be destroyed in the Red Sea. Showing them He had equipped, equipped them to win every battle. And His, his miracles here in the story are not random. Because I want you to stop for a moment and look back throughout your life and just realize that God did miracles to bring you to where you are sitting here right today. And oftentimes we forget. Oftentimes we're we're quick to move on and say, boy, wasn't that great. But I I just want to give him some praise for all the Red Seas he's brought this man through. Scripture we read in verse 33 said... There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, come from the giant, came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so were we in their sight. So we see what the grasshopper syndrome is. We see that God will move heaven and earth on behalf of his people, reaching their promise, reaching their promotion, reaching their purpose, reaching their potential. When God has a purpose, it is his preference for your life. But what can mess us up is not being able to follow God all the way through. Amen? Amen. So let's get practical. Here's point number one if you're taking notes. They said, we are not able. Which tells me that two different people can perceive one situation completely differently. Based upon their view of themselves and their view of God. I taught this to the kids yesterday afternoon. I looked at them and I said, the most important thing about you as a young person as you grow up is who you believe God to be. Because who you believe God to be will be how you live out your life. And the, the, the spies that came back, the ten that came back and said, I just, uh, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. The thing about the story, and I mentioned this Wednesday night, but the thing about the story is it's like it doesn't say they ever asked them what they thought about who they were. And we know that the people on the other side of the Jordan, the people in the promised land, had heard about these people and their God who had a fire by night and a cloud by day and had delivered them from the great nation, the, the superpower of the day of Egypt. And God did that. God took down Pharaoh. God crossed them on a Red Sea. In that Red Sea moment, I want to encourage you with something today. That Red Sea moment, you had walls of water on each side. And you had millions of people crossing, and it says this, on dry ground. Because when God does something, He does it all the way. Amen? Amen. And, and what I love about that is, is, I guarantee you, you had people walking. Imagine a, a wall of water, hundreds of feet high, the Red Sea, and they're walking through it. And you had to have had people that day look around and say, we're going to die, we're going to die, we're going to die. And then you had people walking across going, isn't God awesome and incredible and good? And you had people that are like, what are we doing in the middle of the ocean? But they all got across the same. Because church, it's not about the quality of your faith, it's about the object of your faith. 
It's about who you are trusting in. Some of us go through life and we live fearful and we live worried and we live anxious. I just came to tell you something this morning. Two people can look at one situation and see something completely different. And people that are filled with God and filled with faith, they look at something that looks impossible and they say, my God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything I can ask or think. There's probably people playing in the middle of that thing. I'd have been doing like mud angels right there. Like, look at this. Look at what God has done. I just came to tell you, he's a good God. They said to themselves, we are not able. And can I tell you, that's actually a good place to start because the places where you run out of gas and you run out of energy and you run out of solutions, my God has a solution because he is the I am. You know, the difference between able and not able is one word before able. (laughs) Some of them say, we are not able. And then Caleb, I love Caleb. We are well able. Not because Caleb thought that much of himself, but he watched God do miracles. He watched him bring them out. He watched him provide. He said, if God can do that, God can do anything. Most of life is just showing up for battle and saying, God is able. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Here's the problem, my problem. I won't say your problem. Here's my problem. I make excuses for my lack of faith. That's what they did. I make excuses. God just didn't want it. My point is, is that God's purposes is God's preference for your life. In God's preference for your life, he'll move heaven and earth for his purposes. When you have a blank space, when you got a, who are you? And I know you, Lord, but what do you want me to do? We can sometimes shrink back into a grasshopper mentality because what God is asking and calling us to do can seem much bigger than what we're able to do. But can I tell you this morning, that's a good thing because you'll always rely on the strength and the power of God and that's the way we're meant to live. You are not meant to rely on your own answers, your own self, or your own strength. You're meant to rely on God. Listen, uh, graduates, find people that you surround yourself with, Rolando, that will tell you you're able. And it's not because we think you're so great. We love you. We love you, Rolando. But we believe God is big in you. Believe God is big in you, Diana. Believe God is big in you, graduates. We do. Number two, and I'll wrap it up. God's wilderness design is designed to help us grow up. I could preach for an hour right there to this congregation. When I was a child, I thought like a child, spoke like a child, and I acted like a child. When I became an adult, when I became mature, I put away childish things. It's time for the church to grow up. It's time, time for the church to realize what days we're living in. It's, it's the last days. And it's about time that we are about the Father's purposes to see a world around us. You know me. I'm not, I, if I'm going down, I'm going down with a fight, and I'm going down believing God is good. And I believe that as Christians rise up in this country we're living in right now, we will see a a tide turn and we will see revival break out in this country. We will. It may look like a Red Sea. And we say, God, I don't know how, but he does. We've cried out to God for years and we feel like silence. Can I tell you, when God's silent, he's up to his best work. And so when I'm I'm not sensing or seeing or feeling what I know God wants to do, I know he's about to do it. But listen to me. Don't resist the wilderness. The wilderness had as much purpose as the promised land. 
because the wilderness was to get Egypt out of them. You know, you can come out of Egypt. You can give your heart to the Lord right here this morning and be free. For whom the sun sets free, we are free indeed. And when you're free, you can begin to walk some in that freedom. But Egypt is always calling you back. Because God doesn't want, God can bring you out of Egypt and deliver you, but sometimes He's got to work extra hard to get Egypt out of some of y'all. It just means growing up. Moses didn't go in the promised land, he had an anger problem. Yep. He had an anger problem that he wouldn't deal with. He was supposed to speak to the rock and he smote the rock. God said, You're not going. God wanted Moses to grow up just like he wanted his people to grow up be everything he called him to be. In other words, what comes up in us in the wilderness season must be dealt with because God will allow us to live on whatever level we settle on. God will allow you to live on whatever level that you settle on. And for me, in my house, in this church, we're not going to settle on this level when God has this level. For you graduates, don't settle by getting a degree here in just a moment and a a diploma handed, even though I honor you and I've taught your classes and it's been an honor to do that. But this is just the beginning. Some of y'all are like, "Ah, getting long in the tooth, Rich. Can I tell you, you're going to, I'm prophesying to you right now, you're going to see more fruit of ministry in the next 10 years than what you ever could have dreamed of in your last 70 years. There are, there are books in you, Rich. There, there are things that God's planted and placed within you. He's placed them there for a purpose. And you're going, to see an, you're going to see an acceleration. You're going to see an acceleration. All of you are. You're going to see an acceleration. This is, this is a starting line. And before you look to me, I've got pastor what I do, go. You, my, your pastor is simply this. There's a world to be won. Amen you need a pat on the back or the head to go do it you're in the wrong place okay you take what god has done in you and what he's done in you is far more than what you just learned what what god has done is he's grown you closer together with each other and he's grown you closer to him through the word and the whenever you apply yourself you decided that i'm not going to settle on this level i want to go more i want to go deeper and as you've done that god says that he's going to take you across the red sea He's going to take you to the promised land. But when you get there, don't look at, don't, don't be swayed by what you see because it may seem bigger than you because our God is able. Amen. Brother Bill and Dr. Brenda, can I have you guys come stand in the middle? I'm going to be obedient to what the Holy Spirit, everybody stand this morning. We're going to do a prayer of, of uh, impartation. Go right down there in the middle and face me if you guys don't mind. This is what I saw this morning when I was praying about this part of the service. <laughs> You guys have been so key, absolutely. And when I say key, the key is that I prayed when we met three years ago, and I felt the Lord just give me a strong, this is what I want. But without proper leadership, you see, God's method is always a man or a woman of God that he comes to and raises them up because leadership, everything rises or falls on leadership. And what we see right here is the fruit of what you guys have put into this. And Dr. Brenda, your excellence, your heart, your love, your your labor of love that you've done in this. And here's what I saw. I, I could pray impartation over you, but literally when I was praying this morning, I said, Lord, 
what do you want to do? I want all the graduates to come and just stand back behind because here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray impartation over Bill and Brenda Lemus. And the Lord said, it's going to flow all the way out into you guys. What she and he and all the teachers that are represented here, uh, Deneen and Steve right there in the back and Dr. Ray and the others have poured into you. And I believe the Lord said is he's going to pour because he's going to pour into you guys right now a refreshing and, and a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit to blow on you because the next season of your life, the Lord says, don't get comfortable, gird up and get ready to run. Amen. I prophesied over you a few months ago, brother. It was a word of the Lord. God is not done with any of us here today. Amen. And that good news, stretch out your hands and let's, and we're going to pray impartation over these graduates, but I'm going to pray it over Bill and Brenda Lemus and then over the graduates today. Heavenly Father, you are the God of exceedingly and abundantly. You are the God who said that you would pour out your spirit upon all flesh, God. So today as we come to you in a spirit of grace, Lord, I, I pray today that you would blow a wind of refreshing upon Bill and Brenda. That God, the, the anointing that they walk in and the anointing that they flow in and that is so evident upon their life. Father, just like the, the, the anointing that flowed down from the beard of Aaron and onto the garment and onto the feet. Lord God, the flowing of the anointing, Father, I pray right now, would flow from the very top, from heaven itself, and that precious anointing would flow. And God, we pray and speak an impartation over these graduates, Lord. May you impart into them and unto them the power of the Holy Ghost, Father. May these students, God, may these students... Father, continually seek you above anything else. May they continually pursue you above anything else. And Lord God, I pray that the impartation of fire and the, and the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you would be theirs today, Father. Lead them. Guide them, watch over them, protect them. But most of all, God, I pray today that you would give them ears to hear what the Spirit of the living God says unto them. That you would give them a heart of understanding that, God, I pray the, the rays of revelation, like breaking forth from heaven, like the rising of the sun, you would continually remind them that this is just the start and that, God, you have plans and purpose and anointing over and upon each one of them, God. Father, we especially pray for Dr. Brenda and Brother Bill, Father, today, that, God, I pray your blessings of refreshing be upon them, that your blessings be with them, and let it flow all the way down the hem of the garment, all the way down to fill up in each and every one of these students, God, today. Father, I bless Christian Center Church, Father, today. I pray they would be blessed going in and blessed going out. God, I pray you surround them with your presence and your glory that your hedge of protection would be around about them, Father, that they, God, would be blessed as they leave and, God, blessed in their homes, that your face would turn towards them, shine upon them, give them peace, and give them rest. God, I bless Christian Center Church in the name of Jesus Christ. I bless the students today in the name of Jesus Christ. May we be blessed. Father, bless this food we're about to partake of. Father, bless the hands that prepared it. And, God, may this... May this food nourish our bodies as we commit our bodies to be glorified in and through you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Hey, Monday night prayer tomorrow night at 630 if you're able to come.
And then we have, if you'd like to stay, we got food in the back. We would love to celebrate with these students. So come join us if you'd like today. God bless. Go in the name of the Lord.